together. Oh, it's a great thing. Great thing. I always say this, but I, I just, you know, I really live this. I feel this. You know, I, I, I believe that we singly by ourselves can get together and, I mean, by ourselves, can worship and praise and pray, and, but there's just something about the meeting of the church, the brethren, people of like faith, like passion, that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, it is an encouragement to my spirit to see you here this morning. And God bless you so much. I want to bring the word of the Lord this morning and uh, believe that you'll be touched and ministered to. As we uh, get ready this morning, I do want to remind you that very shortly we will be having our uh, ladies' conference. And so that begins the 25th, which is Thursday of this month, the 25th, and Friday. So it'll be Thursday night, Friday morning, and Friday night. And uh, what a great time that is. It's just like almost a, you know, a, a reviving time for not just the ladies that come here that, and, and some of the brethren that come with them, but also our church. It's a great time for our church. And uh, just our ladies, uh, we appreciate them so much. And it's, we've been threatening for a long time to have a men's thing where we could just do men stuff, you know, like hand out gifts that really meant something, <laughs> you know, bullets and, and uh, you know, uh, targets and, and all those kind of things, things that are important, you know. But the ladies get together, and man, they're, they're just having the greatest time, and there's a lot of little gifts and things. Are they throwing socks this year? Every year, throwing socks. Something they started back, I remember that the boys were so small they could barely throw, and that's how long they've been doing this. And uh, then we incorporated other kids, and, and they all begin to throw socks, you know. I just love it. The lady comes, and they're just all primped and got their hair all just right, and the socks go, wang, just, you know, mess their hair up. It's, it's a blast. But that's just part of it. That's before the spiritual things. But uh, So don't forget about that. If you haven't signed up, uh, you can see when you come in that they are still taking sign-ups there. And if for some reason you have a financial difficulty, don't let that stop you from getting with us and signing up. We want everybody to be here. Amen. This year we're sponsoring quite a few people. And think, let me say this. Thank you so much for those that just come by and say, you know, I just want to sponsor somebody else. And some of you have done that. Some of you have sponsored many. We have uh, this year our, our Teen Challenge group is going to be, how many do they have, 20 or so? About 23. And uh, so we, we want them here. And they came out that last Sunday night. They were just so, so excited about it, and, and I told them goodbye. They were all in the van, and, and they were just falling over themselves to say, thank you so much for letting us come out here and, and be a part of this. And so we, we're, uh, we love them. I think the Lord's helping us get back, kind of incorporated with them a little bit to help them. Amen. So anyway, we're looking forward to that. John, the second chapter, and we'll be in... Uh, in one verse here, and then over in the fourth chapter, but I want to kind of kind of grab this um, the end of the event of the marriage that took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus was there with his disciples. They ran out of wine, and Jesus did create wine for them. Now, I believe that the wine did not have time to ferment. Everybody say amen. So I never teach this subject like as an encouragement to drink wine. But in this miracle, he did create it and filled this need. Um, and then the last verse of this, this event here is the 11th verse. So if you read that with me. This is the beginning of the miracles which Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. 
The word miracle here is the word semion. The word semion is not a miracle. The word semion is a sign. Everybody say sign. Sign. It's the beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee. Yes, it was a miracle, but specifically, because I want to talk about signs and wonders this morning and the difference between this. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee, and, and listen, what listen, and it revealed his glory, and his disciples believed into him. Well, I like to use the word ice here, those of you that know the Greek text. They didn't believe upon him. They didn't believe in him. That's a little too light. They believed into him. And I want to slip over to the fourth chapter and, and take a verse uh, out of the fourth chapter, 48. John 4, 48. And then Jesus said unto him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not at all believe. Unless you see signs and wonders. Lord, we ask you this morning, may I bring this word of the Lord and rightfully divide it. May it bring health to us, spiritual health and strength, vision. Lord, that we'll see clearly on some things that are here in your word that will, that will modify even the way that we understand things and, and may it morph to what your word says. And Lord, teach us, grow us, Lord, we pray in it and we give you praise and glory. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. I don't know if you've heard that term a lot. If you have been around charismatic movement, which is those people that believe in spiritually endowed gifts, the word charisma, uh, transliterated charismatic movement. Charisma comes from that idea of bestowing, giving. So the charismatic movement is about spiritual endowed gifts. If you've been around Pentecostalism, would you say, you know, it's hard kind of to describe. I don't like to put a, uh, a certain... One word description on Christians because a lot of times it, it just serves to divide. If I say this morning that, that we're Baptists or we're Methodists or we are Pentecostals, uh, I mean, there's just a lot of terms that are used, and, and all it does, it doesn't glorify, it divides, it separates us because we have certain boundaries that I believe as a Baptist or a Pentecostal or a Methodist or Lutheran or whatever it is. And I don't think the Lord respects that at all. Can you say amen? He's looking around trying to find Pentecostals. I don't think so. God always works among those that believe him. Those who trust him. Those who live before him. And so if you know anything about charismata or the Pentecostal movement, and I would say the Pentecostal movement has largely to do with those who believe in the Pentecostal experience. Dating back to the day of Pentecost. And where we get that term, and so a lot of people don't understand what does Pentecostal mean. Well, it depends on how you're referring to it, but I think Pentecostal would mean we believe in the full uh, move of the Spirit. We believe that that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. 
this biblical, this baptism, not just in water, but in spirit. And that there are circumstances in which God uses that one who is filled to different aspects, one of them being speaking in tongues. And, and somebody said, well, you don't speak in tongues very much in your church openly. And, well, that's maybe the truth. But it's not that we want to stifle what God is doing, but being raised in and around the idea that speaking in tongues kind of overshadowed everything else, I just don't see it that way. I see being filled with the Spirit of God overshadowing everything else. And speaking in tongues may be a byproduct of what God is doing in your life. But that's certainly not the big effort that he's doing in your life. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and I'm missing some other stuff in my life, I've got a problem. And so, but with, with the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement, there's, there's always this, these key words, signs and wonders, signs and wonders. And so there's two Greek words here and, and some of the translations in English Maybe you know what a wonder is, and, and sometimes I've been to church and I walked away wondering what in the world's going on, you know. But really, most of the time when it uses the word wonder here, it's, it's using either, either something that, that means that they are taken by the Spirit, they, they are amazed by what they've seen, but really... Most of the time, the word there is miracle. It's the word uh, teras. Teras is a miraculous wonder. It's done to elicit a reaction from onlookers. An extraordinary event with a supernatural effect left on all witnessing it. That's what we call a miracle. Teras, a miracle. A sign, Samion, is a distinguishing mark given to confirm, corroborate, or authenticate. It's a little bit different. A sign and a miracle or a wonder. One of them is an exposure of the Spirit of God so that so that people may see this event and the supernaturalness about it and how that it leaves an impact upon us when we walk away that God really did and God really can do some amazing things. I don't know if you've ever seen a miracle that you would classify as a miracle, but I have seen things, let's say instant and instant healing is a miracle of God. And you walk away from that going, wow, wow, that's, that's amazing. That, that really captures my interest. How did that happen? What did, you know, what just happened there? And, and, and it all it just seems to hang with you. And then there is this thing called a sign, but the sign is a distinguishing mark. It's meant to confirm and to authenticate where it came from. And so there's this difference in the scripture when we say signs, of this why there's two words, signs and wonders. But if we focus on the carnal response to the miraculous, we miss the Lord's intention for doing these things. We don't think that God is just up there to amaze us. That God is up there to just throw something our way so that we can all go, wow, that's amazing. God is great. God is so marvelous. God is so wonderful. We already know that, but we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't walk by faith, by, or rather by miracle. I walk by faith. I may not see a miracle. I may not see an answer. I may not see. I might be praying my heart out and not see the answer I want but I walk by faith and not by sight. But I have seen God perform enough things to know that he's the right one to pray to. Can you say amen? That he is the one that can deliver. He's the one that can heal. He's the one that can save. I just don't know if that's going to happen this time or not. 
but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to put it in his court, and I'm going to let him handle it, and I'm going to let him oversee it, and that's called faith in our life. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. But if we focus and we take the church's attention and we focus it not in faith, but rather we focus it in the miraculous, then what we have is this hyper, super spiritual sort of an effort that really faith is kind of out the window. And so if we don't get that spiritual thing that we wanted, then we fall out and we give up and we, we just turn away. I prayed and God didn't do Look at there. They had a miracle there. That happened. And, and look at me. In my time of need, God didn't help me. And so our faith goes down when we are relying upon that, that miracle power to happen and the miraculous things that God can do, then it limits our scope to really our life and what God is doing in our Christian life. I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in miracles. I've seen a number of them. I believe that God can do anything. But commonly what happens when we get our eyes on the miracle instead of the God of the miracle, commonly what happens is men begin to receive the glory. And right in church and right in church movements, we glorify men. It's part of who we are. We want heroes. We want them so bad. We want people to look up to as though, you know, they, that, I mean, the Catholic Church doesn't. We look at them and they've got the vicar of Christ, you know. And they, the reason why they've got to do that is because they have to attach it to a man. They have somehow. It's got to be a, a, a hero that we can look to. And, and when God does the miraculous, it's not for the preacher. It's for the glory of God every single time. Can the church say amen? <laughs> but what happens in this signs and wonders thing, and, and this morning you know what I'm talking about because we see it in this valley so much. We see so much of this used, and, and uh, there's, there's schooling about this, that God's going to make you, you know, have signs and wonders in your life, and, and you really don't know that. Only the Spirit of God knows how to use us. But it happens every time a man tastes of the power and influence and money that's connected to the supernatural. If a man can take credit for a prayer, if a man can take credit for changing a situation, the glory begins to twist. It goes from our eyes being on the Lord to our eyes being on men. And I've got to say something about signs and wonders this morning. Signs and wonders aren't to prop up people. Signs and wonders are things that God has given to bless the church. They are there to touch his people. They are there to minister and minister among the people of God. They are not there for any other reason. And so using Mark, the 16th chapter, and the 17th verse. Will you put that up there for me? Mark, the 16th chapter. And if you have your Bible there, you might just want to jot this down. You might want to just take a, a well, I don't encourage marking things out in the Bible very much, but, but it has been proven by, by scholars for years that Mark, the 16th chapter, went to about the ninth verse. That's all they can find in the old, in the manuscript. And then they believe what was added to was from the ninth verse to the end. But when we get to the 17th verse, and these signs shall follow them that believe. That phraseology works very good for somebody who's trying to build up a following and a congregation of their own. These signs shall follow them that believe. And so it's now we see the believer coming in front now. Hey, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Go to the next verse, 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I'll tell you something about this. In this verse, in the way that it's framed, 
And do I believe that we lay hands on the sick? Yes, I believe there's other places in Scripture that teach that. Do I, do I believe that we're going to cast out devils in the name of Jesus Christ? I do believe that. Do I believe if we drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm us? I haven't seen that one happen. Do I believe that we'll speak with new tongues only as the Spirit of God gives utterance? But when I look at this in the format that it is in, it almost produces men worship. Because now we can identify who really believes in God. And I've heard this sort of preached when growing up. If you really believe in God, here you are. Here you are. Signs will follow you, and these are the signs. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. Pick up serpents. Well, I'm going to tell you something about that. I'm not picking up serpents. And anyone that is needs to get their head checked out. I have no need to pick up serpents. I don't like them. The only good snake is a dead snake. I think all, most of you feel that way. We have some rattlesnakes up in this area, and I've confronted a few of them, and I never felt like picking them up. If I had a stick, if I had a shovel, if I had a rock, if I had a shoe, anything, I'm getting rid of that bird. I, I don't want anything to do with snakes. This, this is kind of weird. And so some people, friends of ours, get back east, and they're, they're preaching there at Davis family, I think it was, and, and it was a church just like this. They're singing like we are. They're praising like we are. Somebody opened the back door and had a, had a box of snakes and come walking down there. That's when I leave. I'm not testing this thing. They shall pick up snakes. Because first of all, I don't believe that the Lord taught that. Do you find that anywhere in the Lord's teachings that we should pick up snakes? Do you find anywhere that we should drink deadly things? No, not, not in God, not in the Lord's teachings at all. Anywhere else but here in Mark. But what this does, it kind of sets a backdrop for men that want to do the sign and wonder thing and get a following. Come on, do you see where I'm at with this this morning? And so the Lord Jesus never, never did miracles to prove his ability. He didn't have to. In fact, he went in front of Herod, and Herod said he wanted to see something. He wanted to see Jesus do a thing. And what would he do? Absolutely nothing. Because he didn't come to heal to prove his ability, or he didn't come just to heal. If he just came to heal randomly, then he would have never stopped at the pool of Siloam where there was one man who had been laying there all those years and asked him alone, do you want to be healed? And that man was healed and the rest of them were still sick when they walked out of there. He didn't just come and unilaterally heal everybody. He left many, many sick and hurting, but what he did was kingdom building. What he did was bring glory to his name to set up this kingdom and to show who the rightful king of the kingdom was. This was the work of the Lord. It wasn't just to randomly heal people. It wasn't just to go about, and I know the scripture said, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him, but it really he didn't heal all the sick of the land, but all of those that he dealt with, he healed them and cast devils out of them and, and did miracles and wonders and signs to them. But Jesus saw a miracle, and I like this term. I didn't invent this, but another man did. Jesus saw miracles as action parables. As a parable, an occurrence on one level pointing to a higher level. In other words, feeding the 5,000 was not just about them being hungry. They could have made it home. They could have missed one dinner. And I know that if you've been out and, and, and you know, I've been at times very, very hungry, come in at night, but 
I could make it. If I didn't get that dinner, I'd still be okay. And, and I might feel a little faint. And the disciples were worried that, that these people were going to, you know, they, they might be faint going home. And, and so he said, well, we're going to feed the 5,000. But he didn't just feed the 5,000 just to give them something to eat. There was something higher going on. He was showing them that he is the bread of life for everyone. So if you have 4,000, 7,000, 5,000, if he had 50,000 there, it wasn't matter. He is the bread of life. So the miracle was not just about a miracle. It wasn't about just giving some people some bread and some fish. But it was to show that he is the great provider, that he is the bread of life for humanity. Can you say amen? He gives sight to the blind man, but it pointed to him as the light of the world. It's not just that he restores. There's a lot of blind, there was a lot of blind people in Israel who he did not heal. But when he healed them, it showed that he is the light of the world. Can you say amen? He opens blinded eyes. Thank God he opens blinded eyes. You're sitting here this morning because God opened your eyes. You couldn't see it. You couldn't see your need. You couldn't see the Savior. But God came along and he opened those blind eyes. See, he is the sight to the blind this morning. Isaiah 61, he is the one, the Spirit of the Lord's on him to open blinded eyes. So there's a purpose in this miracle. It's it's an action parable. He raises Lazarus, and you know this is very clear. He raises Lazarus from the dead, but it pointed to Jesus as the resurrection and the life. That whole thing was about him being the resurrection and the life. They came to Jesus. He's, he's away. He, I don't know how far he's off, but maybe a day's journey away. And I'm not sure the scripture said, but they tell him that Lazarus is sick. And he tarried where he was a couple more days. Because he wanted to make sure that Lazarus had passed and they put him in the grave. Because he's got something bigger than just going and taking Lazarus and raising him up. He's going to show those people. He's going to show the world. He's going to show you and I that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And when he calls us out of that grave, Tommy, we come running out of that grave because he is the resurrection and the life. We sing that song. The kids sing that song. I heard his voice saying, come up out of there. And I came running out of that grave because he is the resurrection and the life. Can you say, this is why he did this miracle. Lazarus died after that. At some point, he died. But Jesus wanted to show that he's the resurrection and eternal life. Hallelujah. His apostles followed this pattern of exalting Jesus as any miracle, any sign, any wonder, any gift, any good thing, any preaching, any praying, any deliverance out of jail, any deliverance from the hand of the wicked, any deliverance from sickness, raising of the dead, they always pointed it to Jesus because miracles aren't about the miracle. They're about the miracle giver. They're about the one who wants to show you that he's got more for you than just a healing of your body. I'm always grateful when God heals our body. When we're sick and we're down and I'm just so appreciative. We said this morning that, that we thank God so much that we come through things. But, but listen, he's got something more for you than just a healing of your body. He is the healer, but it's him. He's the one that we adore. He's the one that we worship, not the healing. Can you say amen? And now I want to step into something for just a few minutes here. It's treason. That's a term that's been being thrown around here lately. A lot of things going on in government. And it's treason. When preachers use signs and wonders to validate who they are. Man, I've had it just about enough of it. I'm a man of God because 
of a sign or a wonder. And I want to be validated by this work that I did. And let me tell you this, there are a lot of preachers who started off right. How many know that? You started off right. They started preaching the word of God. Pastor in a small church somewhere, evangelizing out there somewhere, doing something for the Lord. Starting out right. And then a few things that God did during their ministry time and then all of a sudden, we seem almost like to take a step up now. I'm not small anymore. I'm not, I'm not humble anymore. Now I've become, hey, look at this. I must be God's gift to mankind. Somehow, when our thinking gets in it, it is so intoxicating. Power and influence and money is so intoxicating. I don't care who you are and how long you've been doing and pastoring and teaching and preaching and churching, whatever you've been doing, there always is this thing, this intoxication that if we can somehow show the supernatural that we're the person of God. It's a plague that's happened to our country. It's crazy what's going on. It's crazy to see men who really, really do believe that they are it. Never does God amplify men to bring them to the top. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, what do you do? You humble yourself. You bring yourself down. You don't elevate yourself up. But yet it goes on, and we've had it so long, and it just seems like it's so common to us that years ago we had the tent meetings, and, and we developed these faith healers that somehow if I could just get to them, then God would heal me. And they're, they're the man of the hour. They're the man. They've got the healing touch. There's not a man that was risen up in this country that had the healing touch. God alone is the healer, not a man. Never. Never will he share his glory. Now we've got all these prophets. Prophets that are coming up in the name of the Lord prophesying in the name of the Lord, saying things in the name of the Lord. And if something seems to happen right in that direction, then they crown themselves God's prophet. Oh, it's going on right now. Except God is going to expose some of this stuff that's happening in the church there's going to be some men that will pick up a microphone and say some of the things that I'm saying this morning. They're tired of the foolishness and the rhetoric that's going on in church and the glory that's going other places. I'm not here to take glory from this congregation. I'm here to preach you a word of God and to help you and school you in what I know in the word of God. But I'm not here to receive the glory this morning. I'm not God's man of the hour. I'm a servant of the Lord and it is time that preachers and pastors and big evangelists get off their high horse and realize that Jesus is the only one to be exalted in the church. That he alone is worthy. He all by himself is worthy this morning. Mega ministries producing mega money and mega position and mega influence. I don't no more believe that's the work of God than nothing. He's not working that way. He's not doing mega. I've got something for all of those guys. No, they're not listening this morning. You are, but let me share it with you. I don't believe in an end time revival. And the Lord's just been stirring this in my heart. And if you've been in church, you've been taught all your life, there's coming an end time revival, there's coming an end time revival, there's coming an end time revival. And then I opened the word of God and it said there's going to be a great falling away. I said, uh-oh, that doesn't really coincide with the end time revival preaching. Because the end time revival teaches us to scatter and find a man of God somewhere that can really prophesy in the works and the signs and the wonders are coming forth. The end time revival is happening when really Jesus said it this way. It's a small entrance. It's a straight gate. It's a narrow walk. It's a narrow way. And the mega, 
the mega's going into Broadway, but the few are going in. Why are we looking for the mega when God is saying, be faithful with the few? Be faithful with the few sheep. Hey, listen, it isn't everybody that's going to answer the call of God, but to those who do, but to those who do, they will walk through that straight and that narrow way, and few there be that find it. So, Pastor, that's just too exclusive. Well, I don't want to burst the bubble this morning, but Jesus was very, very, very exclusive. I think he would just open his arms, everybody just come. No. No, that's why we have all of those, all those ifs in the scripture. It's because there's a qualification to come into him. Can you say amen? We can look at the mega and say there, but but we go to small church. Preachers, let's get there too. That's where I'm at. Small church preachers manipulating people in and taking signs and wonders and and trying to use that to their own power, their own wealth, if you would. And this abominable work that's being done, it is wicked, sacrilegious, filthy workers of unrighteousness profiting off of the holy things of God. I believe if you profit off of the holy things of God, you will stand accountable one day that you pilfered the kingdom of God. There is no room for those who are charlatans in the house of God. There's just no room. I was appalled this week, Rodney came home and told me, I think it was yesterday, One of the men, again, it just seems like it happens all the time. One of the men who was a frontliner, who everybody you would recognize this morning, I'm not going to say his name, I'll let you find it. I was in Brooklyn Tabernacle in a conference many years ago, and this was one of the speakers. Spoke all over the world mainly confronting college-educated people. A lot of his forum was in universities. Smart man, brilliant. But what they didn't know until after he passed away this last year is that he fits as one of the abominable, wicked, sacrilegious, filthy workers of unrighteousness. Unbelievable. Spent years in apologetics. You know, apologetics are the defense of the gospel. And go to universities and campuses and talk about all those issues. And at the same time, when he comes to Brooklyn Tabernacle and speaks that morning, at the same time, he's involved in hideous, lewd acts with women and just embarrassing situation. His own ministry which he left this last year because he died. His own ministry did the investigation of his life and is repenting for what he's ever done. Listen, I want to tell you something. There is a truth in this gospel and it isn't signs and wonders. There is a truth in this gospel and it's not wowing people and amazing people with your talents and with your knowledge. There is a truth of this gospel and it comes right down to the living. I know a man right now is lying to his congregation. I saw him on a, on a news clip, uh, Flashpoint, with other preachers and prophets. And he said, I'm not doing anything different than I've done all the last 12 years that I've had a church. And my church has tripled in the last two months. And I'm saying, don't you realize that you're lying to your people? You're prophesying false prophecies to them and you're drawing yourself a people and a group that's willing to listen to things that are not the truth, things that really don't come to pass and your church is growing in leaps and bounds. Can't you see what's happening here? But the deception of money, the deception of influence, it's out there. If I can just get a sign and a wonder, even it's a prophetic word, I can get me a following in and we can fill and pack the church. I'd rather be half empty this morning and preaching the word of God than lying to the congregation giving you false hope 
giving you false words. I'd rather this morning there just be a few of us gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ that walk out of this place knowing that we're living our life for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? It bothered me again this week. It came to the knowledge that a local pastor thinks that it's, it's right, it's good to just go hang out with the guys and drink some beers. And listen, I'm to the point where I'm done with it. Let's do what's right. Let's preach what's right. Let's preach this gospel when we don't feel that, that we can even, uh, we're, we're just barely servants of this thing, that, that we're not the exalted one, but that Jesus is the exalted one. I'm trying to live up to him. He's not living down to me. I'm living up to him. Say, God, help us just to be servants in this hour. Amen. I said some of that to say this to you. You got to know who's speaking to you. It's surprising. You think, wow, look at this person. Man, signs and wonders, man. Didn't Jesus say that false prophets will come with false signs and wonders? Don't listen to somebody because you see a sign. You see a wonder. You see a fake miracle. Brother Tom, do you remember the time we all got together and went down to Benny Hinn meeting? And I'll put him out there because he's, he's a good target. He's, he's an easy target. He's probably got some good things and he's got some things that are really out there, but, you know, that's between him and the Lord. But went to this meeting. I'll tell you what, that guy can worship. You have 17,000 people singing and praising. It was amazing. And we're sitting up in the nosebleed section. We're in Arco Arena. We're, we're, I can't even hardly see the platform. I'm trying to identify. I needed glasses, you know, uh, bifo- or, um, binoculars. And we're sitting up there, you know, we're looking, boy, it's, it's good, you know. And they all fell. And we fell too. The guy in front of you falls back. You're going to fall back. We all fell back. And it wasn't the power of the Lord. But, but we were singing, and then pretty soon he started praying. And I looked down there, and I said, Jim, got on a platform. The guy that went with us, Jimmy, had his knee was just completely torn up. And, and uh, wow, he got on a platform. He was healed, and he was running back and forth on that platform. He said, whoa, man, this is, look at this. And he came home and had a knee surgery. Because there's such a thing as lying signs and wonders. So if I say, look at that, man, Benny Hinn's a man of God. Look at Jimmy down there, he's running, Benny Hinn, you know, connecting him. Benny Hinn did nothing. Nothing. Healed no one. Know who you're hearing from. Be careful, the voices that you allow. Know who's feeding you and what they're feeding you. If a man is is feeding you because of signs and wonders, you better really take question to what you're eating. Can you say amen? amen. And and that comes from everywhere. They're, they're all over channels and 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 on TV time. And, and you can you can get everybody and everything on there. Be very careful. Jesus said it this way: Be careful how you hear, and be careful what you hear. Now. If we look at John 2.11 again, and I'm, I'm going to have to try and hurry. I've been having a good time. I hope you have too. John 2.11, let's read that again. And this is the beginning of, of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And it revealed his glory, and his disciples believed into him. So I want to talk about signs for, for a minute. Sign is different. It's a different word, a different meaning than a miracle. Uh, and even by the description of it, again, let's go over that again. A distinguishing mark given to confirm, cooperate, and to authenticate. And so a sign is somewhat different than a miracle. It has a relationship and a connection with the purveyor of that sign. So that the sign is so connected to the one that gave it. Now, Jesus used this thing in, in a, uh, about taxes. 
and I like this, I wish, you know, he hadn't said you need to pay your taxes. <laughs> Lord, help us to come up to the word, amen. But uh, we all, you know, we all, yeah. Anyway, um, they came to Jesus and says <clears throat> to him, is it lawful for us, is it right for us as Jews to pay taxes to Caesar? And so Jesus is going to use this, and he's going to show a sign here. Not a miracle, he's going to show a sign. Well, he says, bring me a coin. And they brought him a coin. Whose uh, image do you see on that coin right there? little denarii. And they said, well, that's Caesar's image. He said, well, okay. Give it back to him. Give to Caesar what belongs to him. But give to God what belongs to him. Whose image are you? And so there is this sign. If you look at that coin... Caesar stamped on that thing. And ultimately, I guess it belongs to that realm and that kingdom. But if you look at you, humanity is formed, what? In the image of God. Not that God has uh, two legs and two feet and arms and, and all that. That's, that's not the image that we're talking about. But, but this person that is designed with choice and will and and purpose is after the image of God. But sometimes we, can, we confuse signs, which you are a sign of the creator. We confuse signs with symbols. See, a symbol only represents the object or the subject. It only represents it, a symbol. You'll come up, when you leave this church and go out to the street, you're going to come up to a stop sign. It's not. It's a stop symbol. The sign is the law enforcement man who's writing you a ticket. That's the sign. That's the imprint. Not the thing out there that says S-T-O-P. I've gone through a few STOP. Well, they just sent me something in the mail. <laughs> just right close to $500. And I was trying, I was, it was hard to stop and rain, and I, I turned on, you know, in Cyprus, and that, they got you, man. You don't ever. And, and so I just tried to slow down, stop, and I just had to turn and click, and I got you. <laughs> Kay was so upset about it that about two months later, she did the same thing. I don't want to live my life giving, giving the city $1,000 a month, you know. But anyway, the sign really is the ticket because that's the enforcement of the law. If you look at a marriage, a ring and even the ceremony is just a symbol. That doesn't make the marriage. That's not the sign that you are married. There's a lot of men walking around that's got a ring on and they're, they're playing around with other women. The ring is just, that's just a symbol. The real sign that I married is my fidelity and my love and my loyalty towards this one woman. That's the real sign of marriage. Come on, everybody, say amen. If you're married this morning, you better be saying amen. That's get home, you're not going to like it. <laughs> See, it's just a symbol. It's arbitrary. It, it only means vaguely what I mean it to mean. Some people wear rings that aren't married. Some people are married that don't wear rings. It's just a symbol. Look at A blindfolded woman holding a scale on the outside of a court is just a symbol. What goes on in the court is going to tell you about the sign of justice. 
That woman can sit out there and, you know, and they use that. You know, blind justice, blind justice. And we've seen lately that, that justice really is not blind. Justice is lined up with a party. And we, we know that's going on. And, and, but it's just, you know, to have the woman outside and she say, just looks right. Yeah, okay. She's got the scales. She's not going either way. She's blind, blind justice. And then you get in the court and you find out if you've got the wrong people and the wrong party and the wrong lawyer that justice just is not coming your way. And that really is the sign of justice. Wearing a cross around your neck. Having a fish bumper sticker. Even carrying a Bible under your arm are just symbols. That's all they are. There's no proof there. That's just a symbol. Living a born-again life is the sign of a Christian. See, the difference is we get, we get the symbols and, and everything mixed up, and we, we forget the, what the real sign is. The real sign of marriage is that fidelity and love and honor and loyalty that you give. It, it's, it's not just the symbol. The, the, the things around Christianity, all the symbols, all, I go to church, you know, I, I, I say Jesus is Lord. Sometimes you'll see on the bumpers, Jesus is Lord. You see a fish there. You see people are really identifying. Man, I'm identifying with Christianity. I'm going to tell you how to identify and how to have a sign. It's your life. Your life is the sign of what happened spiritually to you. If your life hasn't changed, nothing happened spiritually to you. For those that are in Christ Jesus, see, they are new creation in Christ Jesus. Um, old things have passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new in my life. The sign that Jesus has done something in my life is not a fish. It's not a symbol. It is that my life now is changed. I'm changed. I'm changed by the power of God. I used to live in sin. I used to carry on that way. But now, thank God, I'm free from the power of sin in my life. That is the sign that God has done something in your life. Look, an animal... An animal makes a track. We got some hunters in this building. You're out in the woods. See the track there. You know the difference between a deer and a bear. You know the difference between a bobcat. And a deer, you, you just, it, they're not the same. The track that they leave is called a sign. If you're going to go out and find where they are, I, I know all the deer hunters here, and, and I've done it, and I looked around, but, but really they're gone. When you find the sign, they're not there anymore. They're usually gone, you know. Maybe they're just a bush over, but they're not there anymore. But they have left an imprint. It's a sign. And so what I want to say about a sign this morning, it acts the fourth chapter and the 13th verse, listen to this. Here's, here's a little, just a, just a uh, one verse sign and wonder. But analyzing the boldness or the bold resolve of Peter and John and having found out that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were awestruck, wondering greatly. There's your wonder. Then they recognized them that they had been with Jesus. And there's your sign. What the Lord had imprinted on their life was a sign and a wonder. So I'm going to get away from healing for a minute. I'm going to get away from the miraculous for a minute because there's something more important than, than the miraculous here. It's the sign that God has invested on your life that he has stamped on you is a sign that God has done something that no one else could do in your life. It's a wonder. 
Some of your friends are going, boy, I wonder what has happened to him. I wonder why he's changed. I wonder why he doesn't want to go hang out and party with us anymore. I wonder why when the dirty jokes go around, he doesn't want to hear them. I wonder why when the dirty magazines go around, he doesn't want to look at them. There's something going on, and they're wondering. But pretty soon, they begin to realize that Jesus has put a stamp on your life, and there is a sign on your life that you've been with Jesus. One of the problems that we're concurring with in the church age that we're in is that we go to church and we spend a lot of time doing a lot of things peripheral and we come out of that place and there is no sign on us that we have ever been in the presence of God because when you get in the presence of God God is going to change your life he's going to change your attitude somebody say amen he's going to change your living behaviors the Lord is going to put a sign on you that men are going to look and say there is a God in heaven We've so tried to socialize this gospel so that it's so watered down that you're going to church anymore is just a symbol. It doesn't produce a sign. I want God to take some signs out of here this morning that something's happened in your life. Not a Mark 16, 17, and these signs shall follow them. I believe that God is setting up some signs in the world. And it's not stop signs. It's signs of his power to change lives. See, the world doesn't know anymore. They look at the church and the people in church look just like the people in the world. No difference. It's like joining the Elks Club or something. You know, there's no difference. I mean, now you're an elk. Okay, what do I do now? You know, to grow horns or what? I'm just an elk. Oh, you come and drink. That's what you do. The Elks Club. Join the Christian club. Now, what's any different in my life? Well, not much. The difference between me and you is that I have Jesus in my life and that's it. Now, wait a minute. I just told you that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passing away. Come on, somebody say Amen. You want a sign in your life? Don't look for a miracle sign and a wonder in that way. Look for God to do something in your life that your old positions in life begin to pass away. All things begin to come new and all things are of God. That's what happens in us. So these men, they saw that they had been with Jesus. Track a sign, a stamp left on them from being with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was identifiable. And say, hey, I think these guys have been with Buddha. Well, maybe these guys, you know, have got the newest religion coming down the, the line. They knew for sure that what they looked like is what they had crucified just a month earlier. They knew that these guys were acting and saying and talking and being just like the one they had put on the cross. And when they saw them, they said, these guys have been with Jesus. Oh, that the church would get back to that place. That we would digress off of where we're at and get back to the place where when we walk among them out there, they'll say, these guys are different. These men and women have been with Jesus Christ. Something different about them. Can you say bad? So I'm going to read you one more verse and we're going to close. Ephesians, the first chapter, 13th verse. In whom also you, hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also believing. You didn't just hear, but you received. And listen to this part. You were sealed by the spirit of promise, the holy. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. You were sealed Something happened to you that's different than the regular Joe out there. Well, what's the difference? Well, I just have Christ in my backpack. No, you were sealed. You were sealed. This, this word seal here 
is an old ancient word for stamping. When they used to take the, the wax and they'd put that on there and take their signet and they would seal an envelope. They would seal a legal document. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And what that seal looks like is what God looks like. And you've been sealed by that. It was the old ancient signature. It was a legal signature. Let me tell you this, my friend, if you have loved him, if you have followed him, if you have believed him, if you have been born again, you are sealed. God has put his signature on your life. You are a sign and a wonder this morning. You were lost and in your trespasses and sin. But God, in his mercy, came by and drew you out, lifted you up. He washed you up, and he cleansed you, and he sealed you. And stamped his name on you. You legally belong to Jesus Christ. That's why he said, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Don't think, you know, you're going to run your own deal now. I've got my name on you. I don't want to embarrass his name. Come on, somebody say amen. I want to get out there in the world, and we've got that going, and it's an embarrassment what's going on. But instead of this, this, this questionable Mark 7, or 16, 17, I think we can see it from another angle. Not these signs shall follow them. But let's do it this way. But those that believe will be the signs following. The sign that Jesus is alive. The world's wondering if Jesus is still alive. Because they're seeing a lot of phony preachers like the one I talked about earlier who I heard preach and thought, wow, you know, he's got some good stuff, and not knowing. And the world is laughing now. Don't you know that every conference he went to, don't you know that every person he talked to now is mocking the things of God? Something has to show that Jesus is still alive. And it's not another miracle. Those can be false. It's not another sign and wonder out there. It's a life that's been reformed, remade, renewed, born again by the power of Jesus Christ. That you are changed, you are different, and Jesus still is saving. Can you say amen? Jesus saves. Jesus is still saving. He's still transforming. He's still cleaning. He's still washing. I don't care what the populace does. It doesn't matter what the mega stuff does. It doesn't matter what big preachers are saying. Jesus is still Lord. He's still Lord. Let every lying tongue and every lying preacher and every lying thing, it's going to pass away, but the word of the Lord, it will last forever. I am redeemed this morning. I'm set free by the power of God. I used to live in sin, but I don't live in sin anymore. I am resurrected by the power of Jesus Christ, and I'm free this morning. I'm free from the devil. I'm free from his power. I'm free from the power of sin this morning. Jesus has made a sign in my life. And I know this morning that I am a sign and a wonder. Wow. Wow. Let it sink in. Me? Little old me? I'm a sign that Jesus is alive. Glory. He's still saving folks. Can you say amen? He's still saving to the uttermost. He's lifting people up that you just didn't have any hope for them. And God's lifting them out of that despair. He's still alive this morning. Amen. He's writing his name on folks. <laughs> no wonder Paul said we want to walk worthy of the calling that he has called us by. I'm not wearing the name out there. I mean, people know us by our name, Rod, you know. Come up on the job. And they got to be careful saying Rod. There's three of us out there, but... They come up on the John Rod. But there should be something more identifiable than that. And that is that Jesus Christ 
has done something in our lives. Can you say amen? And so, to conclude, come on, uh, musicians, if you would. To conclude, they say, well, am I against miracles, signs, and wonders? No. And Kenny Henson had it right, though. He, he said, have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever seen a miracle? He said, I'm a walking, talking miracle. It's miraculous what God's done in your life. <laughs> you were no good. I hate to say that to y'all. But I'm going to go with Paul on this one. He said, we were all, you know, we all lived that way at one time, he said. But thanks be unto God. You're a walking, talking breathing miracle this morning if Jesus has changed your life would you stand with me Lord and we just thank you for this day oh Lord we thank you Jesus that you've showed a sign alright Lord you took old sinners Lord that were unworthy and dirty and unclean and owed a debt Lord and you washed us and cleansed us and bought us you paid off our debts, Lord. You paid off our sin. And now, Lord, we stand before you, Jesus. We are a sign this morning that you're alive. We're a sign, Lord, that you live and you reign and you save anything, Lord.